Well, brothers and sisters, uh, good evening and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here midweek for what is a very important night. We appreciate uh, that many of you, uh, if not all of you, have uh, forgone community group this week. Uh, we don't do that lightly. We do do that uh, every now and then here at Norwest when we think we have priority events like tonight. But we do want to thank you for making the sacrifice to coming out. Uh, this is one of the most significant meetings that we will have had here in the last few years. Uh, why do I say that? It's because, as a church, we all stand right on the edge of a new, exciting, large chapter in our church's short history. Uh, it's a chapter that we've seen coming for some time now. And it is a chapter before us that is really only about one thing. And that is Norwest Anglican having a clear, credible, compelling presence and voice in this community for and about the Lord Jesus Christ for the decades to come. About having a voice in regard to Jesus' reign and rule. Having a voice in regard to Jesus' grace and truth having a voice in regards to Jesus' death and resurrection, and having a voice in regard to Jesus' church and Jesus' world. And you know, as well as I do, that our vision here is that we long to see Jesus as king of every home and every heart, and that is absolutely what drives everything in this place. And whilst over the last few years our vision has grown sharper, our church has grown. Our staff team has grown. Our kids' ministry has grown. Our property and buildings have... Oh, no, they haven't. They haven't grown. We need to do something about that. And as you all know, we want to walk together through this very exciting chapter. Very soon, we are looking to lodge our development application with the local Hills Shire Council that we might be able to commence the first stage of our property master plan. So how is tonight going to work? Well, in a moment, I'll be inviting David Jennings, the chair of our Norris Building Committee, to come and share with us all what has happened since we last met and to summarise where we're up to. I'll then be inviting back to the stage Carolyn Hart, our architect, who was so warmly received last time she came, uh, to come and share with us what our architects have learned uh, from the feedback that, as a church, we gave to them. Uh, so they're going to bring before us uh, the latest drawings and what the drawings we are looking to lodge look like. She's also going to explain to us how a development application for a church works once lodged. I'm then going to briefly ag address uh, where to uh, from here for us as a church. We're then going to have a panel uh, and take questions from the floor for about 25 minutes so we can throw it around. That's going to get us close to 9pm and then after a short five minute break uh, we're going to spend some time uh, singing and then praying for 20 or 25 minutes and Craig Foster and Jace Jessup will lead us through that. So brothers and sisters, tonight is a big night. It is a very important night. It is a wonderful night to gather uh, and may all glory go to God. Thank you for coming. David Jennings, over to you. Thanks David. Uh, thanks Pete. I get to do the important but boring part of the night and that's to fill you in on where we've been and where we're up to now. 
Carolyn will get you through the important and exciting part of the night. So I apologise for my bit. Um, I haven't prepared any jokes or any other material other than to guide you through where we've been. But we will try to do that um, uh, completely and clearly. So it is important before we look at where we've come from at our last whole church meeting to take you back a little bit before that because some of you may not have been at the last whole church meeting. In fact, some of you may not have been at the first whole church meeting. And I think it's important for us all to have context and make sure that we know the, uh, the journey that we have been on since starting this project. So up until August 2018, we went through a process. The first part of that process was that the master plan committee was established to look at the wholeness of the site and what might be able to be achieved here. That happened in uh, 2016 in March, so nearly three years ago now that the master plan committee had actually was formed. And what that committee did is it looked at the full site, it explored the whole site and what constraints that the site had. We also conducted ministry surveys for the ministry team to give us information about the site. And we also conducted congregational surveys so that you could tell us information about the site at that time. We then developed the master plan. Uh, we provided that to the parish council in July 2017, complete with a, a whole range of supporting documents so that parish council could properly consider that master plan. And then the first whole church meeting was held in August 2017. So there was a bit of journey already there in that 12 months that occurred up to the first whole church meeting. So after that first whole church meeting in August 2017, we decided to form the Norwest Building Committee. The Master Plan Committee had done their work, the Building Committee was formed and that building committee was formed for the purpose of actually making some progress on stage one of the master plan, which is the front building and this auditorium, the um, changes to this. Stanton Dahl were then appointed as the architects for this work. And then we also appointed other consultants as needed, uh, electrical, structural, um, and other consultants in that process. So we then went through the process of developing a concept design. We obtained some cost estimates of that. And then at that point in time, when we had that information, we actually then held the whole church meeting in August 2018, where Carolyn was able to present the concept design to you. So that brings us up to date with where we met last time in August 2018. I just thought it would be helpful to go through that. There is a booklet from August 2017 and a booklet from August 2018 if you want to see more information about the journey. But that is in, in essence the journey that we um, went on up until August last year. So what has happened since August 2018 when we last met as a whole church. So we held some dialogue meetings where a number of you came along just to interact with um, 
the plans in a more detailed and personal level. And we receive feedback from that. We see it receive feedback through community groups and we received individual feedback. And we then um, considered those, those bits of information that you provided. The committee did that and the architects. And we progressed from concept drawings to a more advanced set of drawings, which you might call design drawings. So, um, Then those uh, drawings were considered further by the building committee and by parish council and the wardens. They wanted to get involved in the detail as we got to that end of the uh, advanced design. We then updated the cost estimates. We then developed a financial model so that we consider a whole range of parameters for how we move forward, how we might do various stages, how we might fund things and what funding options we might have. So then we have also looked at developing a fundraising strategy. Pete will talk more about that later and that will be coming in May, but Pete will cover that more uh, later tonight. We then proceeded to hold a pre-development application meeting with the Hillshire Council, a very important meeting in which we get to understand all the various interplays and parameters that might um, be needed to be considered before we even lodge the development application. And then we have met with the regional architectural panel of the Anglican Diocese. They've reviewed the stage one project and they have actually indicated verbally their support for the project as it now stands. So that um, is a little bit of information about what's been done. I just want to spend a little bit of time on those two last dot points there, the pre-DA meeting and the regional architectural panel. So our meeting with the Hillshire Council was actually very positive. In fact, they were very helpful to us. So uh, Pete, myself, Carolyn and our planning consultant attended that meeting. There were actually eight representatives of the Hillshire Council there and they were covering the various disciplines that the council needs to cover. So that included things like landscaping and traffic and design and people specifically advising on the flood zone that we, uh, we have and a whole range of other things. So we covered a whole lot of areas there. Um, and those aspects of the project and the process for the approval of that were covered at that meeting as well. And we received a set of quite comprehensive minutes from that meeting and we forwarded those minutes to the regional architectural panel and we've considered those as a committee as well. One of the key takeouts from um, the Hillshire Council and the meeting we had with them was they recommended to us that we should only lodge a stage one development application. We had been considering lodging both a stage one development application and a master plan development application at the same time. But they strongly encouraged us to rethink that strategy. And their reasoning uh, for that is a master plan DA would result in a quite lengthier process for approval, that really the master plan only responded to the new auditorium 
up the back of the building, which was some way down the track, perhaps even 10 years or more, we would have required to at least have a concept design for that auditorium rather than just a box on the site. So we would have had to do a, a lot of work in thinking through a building that may not be built for 10 years. We would have required an acoustic report and a traffic report on a concept design. So we felt that um, that was probably not money well spent. And the council said, said to us that they believed that our neighbours would actually misunderstand the master plan. And therefore, there would probably be objections at a time which we weren't ready to answer the objections because we didn't have all the answers. Um, and then the last point was they reminded us that we would still have to lodge a full development application for that rear auditorium at the point in time when we wanted to build it anyway. And we would have to respond to all those issues at that time anyway. So that um, recommendation or that advice from them was taken to the parish council, it was taken to the wardens, and they considered this matter quite, uh, quite deeply. And they also sought the advice of our planning consultant. And at the end of the day, we've decided that we would just lodge a development application for the stage one project, which is the front building and the plan changes to here. The other part of the slide that I wanted to just cover briefly is the regional architectural panel. And you might be thinking, well, who are they? Well, the Regional Art Architectural Panel are actually part of the process for approving the development application for the church. They are independent of this church and they review and they recommend to the Anglican Church Property Trust whether we should proceed with the project. That's great. You might say, well, who are the Anglican Church Property Trust? Well they are actually the owners of church property in, in the Sydney Diocese. We actually don't legally own the property. The Anglican Church Property Trust does. And because they're actually the legal owners, they actually have to be the ones who sign the development application. So the Regional Architectural Panel is a necessary step in the process of us being reviewed and the work that we've done being reviewed and it's seeming to make sense and then they would make a recommendation to the, uh, regional, uh, to the uh, Anglican Church Property Trust because we actually cannot proceed um, without their sign-off. So that gives you a little bit of information about that. So really, uh, that brings my section to an end, um, the boring part of the night, the important but boring part of the night. Um, at our last meeting, you actually heard from Carolyn, uh, our arch architects from Stanton Dale, and she presented the concept design to you. Uh, since then, we've actually put drawings and updated information in the building project uh, corner, and you would have had an opportunity, whether you have taken that or not, to have a look at um, the detailed plans. Carolyn is going to speak about those things in, um, in much more detail. She's going to remind us about how the buildings allow us to connect with the community and connect with each other on this site. 
the benefits that the designs will bring and how the design has actually evolved over the last few months. So that's my bit done. And now we can move to the exciting bit. Please welcome Carolyn. Thank you for having me back. Um, hopefully this will be interesting. I'm not sure about everyone's um, uh, understanding of the project today. Hopefully everyone was here for the last presentation, so I don't have to repeat myself too much. But we have a Q&A session afterwards, so if there's anything that you um, misunderstand or, or don't understand from what I say tonight, please don't hesitate to use that opportunity. Um, First, I want to say that after our last presentation, uh, a lot of you provided some really helpful feedback. A lot of it was to do with the detail of how you use these buildings in the everyday, um, which is incredibly helpful. And it, if you ever read the list, and I'm sure they're available, if you ever want to read the list of the questions, um, they're from everything from where do I photocopy when I've got kids' church? Do I have to go all the way back to the front of the, front of the site to do that or is there something here? Which seems like a really small question but actually does affect how we approach and how we deal with the development of the plans. So the plans you saw at the last meeting were um, concept design, schematic design level plans and what we've done since then is gone to a developed design. I keep forgetting I can look that way. Um, so, as David outlined, we are now um, putting together a, if you look at the drawings in front of you, they might be a bit, actually the site plan's not on there. Um, uh, this is the site, uh, the revised site plan that we'll be submitting with the DA to council. So this is what we are referring to, this is the stage one works, and there are five parts to the stage one works, the first of which is a new building. Now, I, I, I love it when I get to show this and no one's seen it. Unfortunately, this picture has been around for quite a while now, so don't get the, oh, that's exciting, or, oh, I don't like that, which is, you know, could go either way. Um, so you've seen these pictures around. So this is the Stage 1 hub building um, with the main entry on the right-hand side of, of that image. The main change uh, that has been developed is obviously the three-dimensional design, but also how the building sits within the landscape at the front of the site. So previously we kind of really delved into the usability of the building, whereas since then what we've delved into is how that sits in the landscape, how the services, which I'll talk to a bit later, um, that all come up through the middle of the site, um, work with this new build, um, but also how you engage with your community at, at, in that public realm at the front of the building. So what we've looked at is creating, um, when, in the last presentation I did, we talked uh, about the community, the community hub and how it would be a space of engagement for not only your um, church community, but also with the wider community. Um, and so what we've done since then is started to develop the design at the front of the um, front of the building. So to create actually a intermediary external zone, which uh, allows um, the public to sit. So you'll see that there's a uh, an L-shaped bench seat at the front, which is actually in a protected zone. There is a landscaped area around that so that you can start to have an engagement zone before you even enter this building. It's an opportunity to sit. I'm sure the Crestwood kids will take the opportunity to sit. That will some be something that needs to be managed. Um, 
The other thing you'll notice about these plans, if you um, spend a lot of time looking at them at, the, um, at or after the last engagement meeting, is they haven't changed much. So one of the major um, things that we looked at was when we got everyone's feedback was to make sure that we responded to everyone's questions, queries. There was a... Um, the main question in relation to this building, the majority of our feedback was actually overwhelmingly positive, which thank you, that's fantastic. Um, there was a major question about the positioning of the community, engage, um, community meeting space and whether it being at the rear of the building was an appropriate location for that. Um, so what we did as architects is we went away and we actually redesigned the building in two different ways to look at how we could bring that sense of life to the front of the, um, front of the building. Both of those plans were tabled for the building, um, the building committee and uh, after some robust discussion it was decided to um, continue with the design as it stood. The, the detriments of those revised plans um, in relation to uh, how the reception and the administrative staff worked together were perceived to be um, too great a, um, a something to give up in relation to what you gained by bringing life to the front of the site. Um, so the plans for this, uh, the ground floor and first floor level have not changed very much from what you've seen before. So the major development in the design of the front of the hub has been the three-dimensional design and also how it sits within its landscape. The big change that you'll see with how we're treating this hall, uh, the, I would say two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the feedback we received actually related to the building we're now sitting in. Um, People, I guess this is the building that you're most familiar with, you use it, you know it intimately. So it became quite the discussion point. Uh, so there's been quite a number of very small changes and I'll come through them quickly um, because no one really wants to talk about toilets too much. Um, but uh, I'll just take you through. But the main thing to be aware of here is what we're doing with regard to the DA is we're actually putting a DA in for the approval of um, the DA in five parts. So there's going to be five... Um, separate sections to the DA. This gives us the flexibility, irrespective of how much money gets raised and the budget that's associated with the project, we'll have the opportunity to be able to take bite-sized chunks of our DA and have approval for everything in advance so we don't have to go back to council for approval. But it also means that depending on um, the budget available, we might go, it's okay, we can only do the, the hub at the front or we can do the hub and the bathrooms or we can do the hub, the bathrooms and the kitchen or we can do everything. So I'll take you through those five parts. So part one, stage one, is the hub at the front of the site. Love talking about toilets. Um, the, the toilets were considered the first priority. I think anyone who's been into them knows why. Um, uh, so basically you've got an accessible um, bathroom. This bathroom is not compliant with um, the changing places legislation. It was decided by the building committee that, that will, would be part of the major development in the future. But this is a fully compliant um, accessible bathroom with AS1428.1, which is the accessibility, access, accessibility code. And we'll have a shower for anyone who likes riding bikes or, or just really getting involved on a working B-day. Um, we've got storage, a cleaner store, and then um, the male and female toilet, and we kept the parent-toddler um, parent toilet. That also has a change table for those people who are asking questions around change tables. The kitchen. The kitchen has increased in size from the last time we showed it to you. So uh, we've taken a bite out of the playgroup 
um, the the playgroup meeting room slash storage room slash off to the side. Um, this will give you. When we started putting the equipment into this space, it became really clear really quickly that the the room needed to be bigger to do everything you wanted it to do. And because hospitality is one of the core things that you do so beautifully here, we wanted to make sure that it would work really effectively for you for the com for the coming years, however long it, it's um, it's used, probably for the life of the church here. So. Uh, little things that we've now incorporated is uh, we have three mobile bench stations which can be locked into place. Two of them are in the middle of the room. One of them is um, adjacent to the shutter, same as what it is now. But that will be a much more uh, lightweight stainless steel, much easier to move, hopefully. And we'll, you know, deal with the threshold issues there as well. Um, so that will mean you can still roll all of them out, whether it be into this room here or out onto the deck. Um, but also with new, new ovens, new refrigerators, you've got serveries into this room and out onto the, um, the deck. So hopefully that will just start to work really seamlessly for, for, and make life easy to be hospitable here. Yes. One of those lovely ones that only takes about a minute to go through its cycle. Yeah. See? So it's the little things. Um, the, uh, the room next to it will become a storage room with access out onto the deck so that it'll, be, it'll become a core storage space. We've actually also shown in there at the moment that that's where a photocopier would go, but we were all, it's also up to, for debate whether that will end up in the demountable or upstairs. There's a few different opportunities for that. Uh, stage, um, what are we up to? Stage four is all in blue up there. Um, stage four relates to the demolition of the existing kitchen the existing family room and the construction of a new family room, new storage room and new entry doors along this facade. This is about improving flow and uh, improving capacity of seating in this space. Um, it also includes a new AV desk, new AV racks and uh, new interpreter spaces, which would be in the back corner over here. Oh, audiovisual. So, Everything that's in the grey box at the back there at the moment. Uh, then the final stage, which actually we've only agreed to put into the DA quite recently, is a new external awning structure off um, the southern side of the building and uh, excavating into the roadway to increase the sense of courtyard space at the entry to this building. Um, this, this hadn't been an area that we, we'd, we'd talked about but we hadn't originally uh, thought about putting this into the DA. But it was seen that this was really ideally how we'd like this building to work, is to have a more generous forecourt so that, so that you can pause, greet, meet people, have a chat before you come into the building, particularly with the transition of congregations in the morning on a Sunday. And, uh, so, and also that needs cover. So we've um, designed, as a result, a new awning structure that will come off that southern side. Um, the blue on there is new. That is also something I just wanted to mention. Part of this new development requires a facelift because we're changing existing doors, windows, we're cutting holes and things, and trying to match the particularly delightful brick on this building is um, going to be really tricky. Um, we're actually going to clad sections of the building in lightweight so that it'll, it'll look more like the new building at the front. It'll also give us new signage opportunities on the front of the building for relatively low cost while also covering up the holes in the building that we've created. <laughs> um, 
So consultant feedback. Um, as David mentioned, we have engaged a number of consultants. Um, through that process, we've been given some really helpful feedback because if anyone's ever just stood for a moment out the front near the big signage panel at the front of the site, you'll notice that under your feet is pretty much every um, service that supplies this site. So we want to build a building on top of that. So um, not only do they, some of them need to be moved, but also most of them need to be upgraded. Because of what we propose to do on this site, both in this, this DA, but also into the future, we want to make good provision for that master planned auditorium into the future. So uh, the majority of the feedback we've got is around making um, good plans for provision for those services in the future. So part of stage one, and I'm sorry, this will be really boring for everyone, anyone but the engineers. Um, but we will be putting in conduits for power upgrade into the future. We will be upgrading power, obviously, to the new hub, but also to this building in the first stage. But we will also have spare conduit put into the ground so that you can um, build the auditorium in the future and there will be spare capacity on the board in the new building. So all of that's being designed. So the electrical engineer's brief is actually designed for the whole campus. We're not sure when we're going to get that, but allow the capacity so we don't have to be digging up the ground in the future. Um, Civil and hydraulic work, we will need an OSD, and the OSD is an on-site stormwater detention system, unfortunately. We were hoping to use the floodplain, but apparently they won't let us do, do that. Um, so we will need an on-site detention tank for the new works, as well as for when we do car park and everything else into the future. But at this stage, we only need a small on-site detention for the front building. Um, civil works, I know a lot of you have um, been aware of historic flood issues on the site coming across from Crestwood. Um, the civil engineer was actually mightily impressed with the swale that you've all built and said that he thinks that that is completely adequate for now. Um, so we're not proposing to do a lot with civil works. Civil is on-site stormwater drainage. Um, hydraulic, sorry? What's a swale? Oh, a swale is a dip in the ground, <laughs> which funnels water. <laughs> um, hydraulic... Uh, Hydraulic, the only thing that they really need to get on top of is, of course, whenever you put a DA in for anything and you make uh, anyone aware that you're doing any work, they go, you must upgrade your systems to the current uh, Australian standard. So um, hydra hydrant cover, which is basically the ability to fight fires, will be improved for this building. Just trying to think if I'm missing someone. Uh, flood, and, um, flood is the only other area that we need to address and that will be done by a flood report. We are outside of the zone of 100 year flood for the new building so we're all good. So we get to look at it from the deck on both buildings in the future. Uh, so where to from, oh hang on, was there? No, it's permanent. So what it does is it, sl it, it slows down the release of flood water, uh, of um, stormwater into um, the creek. So basically the inlet pipe takes all the water off your roofs and there's a smaller outlet pipe. So it just, it basically it fills with water and then it slowly releases that water so that the downstream capacity doesn't get affected. Uh, it's a tank and pipes, yes. Uh, in an ideal world, we'd be able to do it on ground. You can normally craft the ground to be able to take that water and you create a swimming pool for half an hour and then it all goes away again. Unfortunately, because we have mainly a flood zone here, that's already taken by the flood, so we can't add to it. <laughs> um, so, DA. 
where are we going from here? So with the lodgement of the DA, uh, council would love to tell you that they'll take three months to review the DA and provide an approval. That is an unrealistic expectation. The DA will most likely take six, six to nine months. Um, whenever I say that, uh, Pete hears six. Um, <laughs> so just be aware of that. Um, <laughs> uh, so we will submit, council will uh, put the, um, the application out for notification um, to the local community. There'll be, um, your immediate neighbours will have um, you'll have all received it when your neighbours have done DAs. You'll receive, so they'll receive something in the letterbox. They'll have the opportunity to object. It will also be put on public notification so any, anyone in the neighbourhood can object. If they receive more than 10 objections, it will go to a local planning panel. Um, considering the minor impact we have on our neighbours, I'd be surprised if we received 10 objections, but hey, I've been surprised before. So we'll just see how we go. Um, and then council will come back to us with a letter requesting response in relation to certain items. Um, we will then, as a building committee, work out our responses to that, respond and work through the process. As I said, six to nine months, hopefully, 12 at the outset. <laughs> but uh, I think this DA and the reason we're only going ahead with stage one is because it's, it's a reasonably straightforward DA and we would hope that it will be a relatively smooth process through, but councils have always surprised me, so we will see how we go. Uh, thank you, Carolyn. She is excellent. We love working with her and Stanton Dahl. There was already questions coming. We're not even at the panel yet, so there's a, a lot of energy here, so I think you're going to get some more questions later on. Uh, let me just make another couple of comments uh, about the DA from our perspective here. So the DA, we're going to lodge in April, look to lodge in April. The DA will take up to six months. <laughs> uh, um, and then... Uh, we're going to be working on our detailed design in the back half of the year. Uh, that can go on whilst the DA is still being processed. Uh, we're going to look to move to a tendering process and negotiations in early 2020, uh, and we'd be hoping on this timeline to be looking to break ground and start construction in April of 2020, so a bit over 12 months away. So that's DA. Uh, fundraising. Uh, we will be commencing our fundraising campaign, uh, what we are calling Seek First His Kingdom, in May of this year. That is eight weeks away. And our plan uh, is to involve the whole church in this process. That is, we are looking to visit every single family here at Norwest in their home to share, listen, pray, and together seek God's blessing on what we are seeking to do here. Now, to that end, I have approached around 70 people from our church to join the Seek First His Kingdom visitation team. And I will be asking them to get in touch with the rest of the church to organise a time to visit and spend 30 minutes watching a short video, chatting and praying together. It is not a sales pitch. They have been told not to ask for money. I will do that. But I will encourage you to welcome them into your home as part of the process as we walk through this together. This is a huge undertaking, um, but it is so important. Uh, at Norwest, we have a deeply relational approach to ministry always, even when it's inordinately expensive time-wise. 
but we're up for it. More and more of this in the weeks to come. I'll be speaking about this to the whole church in our services in two weeks. Uh, third thing I want to say, uh, are there other sources of funds? There's not much out there. Uh, there is none at the diocese as far as we know. We have been highly successful as a church in receiving grants from the state government. We've received just under $200,000 in four separate grants in the last six years. There is a chance that we might secure one of these for a part of the work. We will certainly apply for one uh, for something like the accessible toilets or something like that. But if we receive it, if we're successful, it'll be in the order of $50,000, not $500,000. So it'll be helpful but not project-defining, if I can put it like that. So that's where to from here. Um, what I want to do now is just give you a couple of minutes to chat with the people sitting next to you. At the same time, we're going to get the stage ready, uh, the panel are going to come up, we'll get our microphones ready, and then it's going to be over to you, and, uh, and we're going to throw this around before we uh, spend some time singing and praying at the end for those of us who can stay around. So a couple of minutes now just to chat with those around you. Well, friends, um, <laughs> uh, can we go to the next PowerPoint? That'd be great. Uh, I just will take the opportunity to introduce you, introduce you uh, to our panel. Um, I'm Pete Stedman, uh, Dave Jennings, a chair of the Norris Building Committee, Anne Robertson, warden and uh, NBC Norris Building Committee member, and Carolyn Hart from Stantondale, our architect. Um, we're happy to take questions on anything at all to do with the project, or not to do with the project. If you want to talk about anything, we're, we're happy to do that. Um, but uh, there's no questions that are off limits. Um, there might be areas that we haven't considered yet. Uh, they, they, there's less and less of them as we go about this more and more. Um, but uh, this, it's still very helpful just to have people asking their questions, helping us flesh out where we're going. So what I'll do is I'll take questions, I'll re repeat the question, and I'll direct it to the panel, unless the panel uh, jumps in and says, yeah, I'll take this one. There's also... Uh, Carmel, one moment. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, Carmel, I, um, I paused. Um, th there's also... Uh, I don't normally do that. Uh, there's also uh, other members of the Norris Building Committee throughout the room, and I've encouraged them uh, to speak up uh, if they feel something's closer to their area of expertise, because they all have areas of expertise. That may happen, that may not. We'll see where we go. Carmel Jarmain, over to you. That's an excellent question for our architect. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let me repeat it. So the question is, we've got, a build <laughs> we've got a building down the front that says Norwest Anglican Church, which isn't a church. It's uh, a um, community hub, um, but it's part of a church. But all of a sudden, we're expecting people to actually understand that. And if they're brand new, how will they? Um, Carolyn, how will you resolve that for us? <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Uh, it depends how they'll be coming to the site would be my first answer. Um, so the majority, if you're coming on a Sunday, so if you're coming during the week, there will, that building will be occupied and there will be people there who will be able to point you in the right direction. If you're coming on a Sunday um, and you're coming by car, which will be the majority, as you drive into the site, you park your car, you will actually see that there's the second building with its logo on it as well. Um, I think it will need to be a signage issue. This is mainly to do with site familiarity in the first instance. But I think it's a worth probably our further yeah. consideration about how we respond to that because it's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, the I existing... So let me just say that the existing electronic sign is being relocated but incorporated into the building down the front. So it's moving a couple of metres to the left or right. Um, 
to the south. Um, <laughs> to the south. Uh, but, so it's a wayfinding issue, and, and we will need to consider that. Keep in mind as well that as traffic turns up here, as cars turn up, there's a lot of traffic. There is a flow of people which actually draws people in. But if you're early, and often new people are, there's questions around that. It's very helpful. I think we'll come back to that. Thank you. Here. Thank you. Yes, th th thank you. The question is, so when the work is being done in here, where's church uh, going to be? Um, a couple of years ago, we had a tent on the grass. We won't be using that again. Um, <laughs> oh, Chapel Lane loved that at the time. Uh, so, look, that, that's one we continue to need to think through. We have done this before, five years ago, if you remember when we used to face this way, and we used the school. The school was very generous to us. We still have a, a very warm relationship with the school. They have a cola there. We're larger now, but we would still fit in their school hall, so we could investigate that. Uh, there are other buildings around. But it's worth saying that we would look to minimise the amount of time we were out of this building and uh, because actually there's not a, a significant amount of work that would necessarily need to go on in here. Uh, some of it can be shielded off and so on and so forth. The work down the front would be isolated from the rest of the site so we would imagine that this part of the site would continue to be used uh, as normal whilst that large part was still being constructed. But there is still some work around that and that as we get closer to detailed design and sectionings of work, we'd need to think that through further. Thank you. The question is, at the moment, the hub uh, have operated in a range of... Sorry, let's get our language accurate here. We have a community hub being built down the front. At Chapel Lane, we have a cafe called The Hub, <laughs> unrelated to the community hub. Not confusing at all. No, probably. and it won't be called The Hub once we have a community hub, probably. Uh, although there is... And so that... That cafe meets right now and uses this kitchen. It is the only ministry, essentially, that uses that kitchen ever right now because that kitchen is so poorly utilised and located to our main area. And if we didn't have a 5pm, if we didn't have a 5pm, the hub would be out here, but we do have a 5pm. Uh, one thing we've thought through is that the hub, the cafe, might be at the community hub down the front, which is being designed to have a kitchen, to have a deck, to have breakout spaces where people can gather before a service on the street, be seen, be public, and then wander up the hill for church together. Still need to think it through, but very good question. We will have to change the naming, Pete. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have to work that through. It's due. Okay, so the question, I'm going to pass this one on, on to Dave. The question is around, um, or Anne, uh, or, or anyone, um, the question is around the DA. We've talked about having the, the DA developed in such a way that it can be done in components over time, um, but also recognising that there are further DAs to come for stage two and stage three of the whole master plan. And the question is, uh, does that sectioning off of our first part of the DA impact further development down the, down the track? And you're wanting me to answer Thank you. that, Pete. Okay, I'll have a go. So um, what we know that with this building uh, later on, when we build a new auditorium post that, that we would be thinking about repurposing this area for the youth ministries and other ministries. Now, we also know that our youth ministries need a large space from time to time, but then they need small space. Now... Um, our thinking through that is that you know, petition walls through here could, could um, then deal with that need to have a big space and a little space, and we haven't wasted this area. Um, so we have thought through that in concept, 
not in a huge amount of detail. I think Carolyn had a little bit of a thought about that early on in the stage. But um, we do know from the ministry teams, they, for the youth, that they do need from time to time a big space. And this, this would then become you know, that big space moving forward. So we're trying to, in the process of all this, we're trying to think through how can we do things where we're not wasting money how can we do things where at least we've got a useful life of what we do? So, for example, if we get 10 years out of a particular area with a little bit of money spent on it, then that's a good value. Um, and we, we don't want a situation where we need to demolish this building after we've got a new building and, and how we then repurpose that. So we have thought through some of those things, but even if we've got youth um, occupying here, uh, most of the time after that happens, then they'll still need kitchen, they'll still need bathrooms, they'll still need those those things. So, Can I just ask, Stu, is that the question you were asking? Yeah, look, it, it's interesting. I'll make one comment and then throw to you, Caroline. It's interesting because the Parish Council's view... So the NBC went to the Parish Council and said, how about we just lodge the DA for Stage 1? Parish Council said, no we've decided we'd go for the whole thing, okay? Then we had the pre-DA council, uh, pre-DA meeting with the council, and the council said to us, you are mad lodging for the whole thing. You are going to be picking fights that you may never need to have, and that is going to salt the earth for years to come for no reason. We took that back to the parish council. The parish council said, that's very helpful. Thanks for that information. <laughs> and so a decision at that point was made, well, let's go with the architect's advice, the town planner's advice, the council's advice, and lodge what we think will be the council said potentially complaint-free. Much smoother, yep. And actually doesn't mean we can't do what we do down the track. We, I think we realised that actually having the master plan DA didn't give us as much certainty as we thought it might. And at that point we thought maybe it's not worth picking those fights that we may never need to have anyway. And I think the benefit of the master plan was it helped us to understand how to use the site best and how to maximise the value that we add to the site so we're not redoing things, making mistakes that we want to change later. We also thought it might help in terms of getting one big DA, but it became clear that it, that was not going to be helped by this process. And I think one of the things that really turned our view was thinking through uh, damaging relationships with our neighbours, um, that we didn't want to do that. For, for, for something that was very much in the future, we may never do and that just didn't feel like a good thing to do so um so we felt like we got half the benefit of the master plan and that was great in itself and we didn't need to do the extra bit mm. yep thank you uh up the back andrew thank you the question is why would we move forward with a formal why are we moving forward with a formal da process before we do the formal fundraising process this one, me? And do you know? Yeah. I'm thinking on the run because it, the decision was made a while back. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, and then I'll... Uh, the decision was made some time back and the decision has moved over time. The plan was for us to lodge a DA, have a DA back in my hand, stand before you all and say... Council have already said yes to this. The only thing stopping us now is the extent to which we're prepared to give. It soon became clear that Council moved much slower than I would like. 
And with a pro project such as this, there is great risk of stall. Momentum stall, uh, vision stall. Now, there's also great risk that you just jam it in and get it done so fast and you're unthoughtful. I don't think anyone here would think the work that's been done over three years is that. When we realised, when it became clear, I think, that uh, the DA process was going to take up to nine months, even nine months, um, <laughs> we thought, there is still work to do, let's keep moving forward. We know, the council have said to us, we've got no problem with this, we're fully supportive. The big one, we'll keep talking, we're supportive of that. But they essentially said to us, look, I'm, I don't want to quote the council here, but there was no negativity about that. So we think it is a very high chance of receiving a, a DA uh, with little impediment. Um, and so we didn't think it was imprudent to start raising money from our people to move forward. Plus, there are costs along the way, actually. It's not like you pull a trigger to start digging in the ground. I mean, we've already had 130000 put into our budget last year to be able to pay for all the things, um, our wonderful architects and others, you know. It hasn't um, all gone to Carolyn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's a very wealthy woman. Um, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I feel very comfortable with it. It's a great question, and it's made me think, how did that happen? But I think that's where we've gone. Yeah. Anne, any? Yeah, I think that's right. I was trying to remember too, and we were, we were originally hoping somewhat, um, probably uh, uh, overestimating, uh, to, have to put a DA in late last year. Um, we were hoping that, you know, from the, from the planning and the mapping we'd done a year before, we thought, yeah, easy, that's fine. And that's been pushed out significantly and, um, and for very good reasons. And actually, I think we were just completely unrealistic. <laughs> and, and, um, you can't Pete, know what you don't know. Pete <laughs> was sure we were on a trajectory, but things, things happen regardless of Pete's idea of where we're going to be. What's wrong with the world? The, rea the reality hits <laughs> at, at many, many points. And, and it became clear that... Um, uh, that that wouldn't happen in that timeline, um, but I think that uh, we're very committed as a church um, to this piece of work, and we are going to be doing a piece of work. It's now if council comes back and says you have to tweak this or this, we will make those changes. But I th I don't we really don't think there is any likelihood that council is going to come back and say you can't do any of this. It's just not going to happen. Mm. So we want to be able to move forward because I think, as we talked about before, there's still a lot, a lot to go with the detailed design, going to tender. You know, uh, I, I don't want to say that Pete's April is, <laughs> is optimistic, but it will depend on many things um, because um, I heard six months when you came back from the report. I heard it was going to take six months a DA and now it's maybe nine to 12. So uh, that's fine. Uh, but I guess what we're saying is it's a bit unknown, but we can't, I don't think we should sit and wait. We know we need to do something because our church is growing week by week and we need to be ready to act. I think that's the other thing. We just knew that what we currently have is inadequate and we, are, we have pressure points everywhere and we felt that just to sit around and w would, would not be wise. We need to keep moving forward in, in a helpful, sensible way. So, Yeah, thanks for the question. Craig. I'm very comfortable speaking about this, but I've done a lot of talking. That's all right. So, um, in the newsletter that came out at the end of last year, when we were, we were originally going to have a whole church meeting because we were hoping to have this meeting at the end of last year, it became clear that we weren't going to be able to do that. So, a newsletter was sent out that you would have received and it talked about where we were up to in the project and some costs, estimated costs at that time, which I think was 2.78, something like think, that, uh, for the whole the whole 2.89 or 2.9 yeah. for all of the five stages of um, 
all of the five parts of stage one. Yeah. So, and, and we're pretty much on track for that now. We've had detailed costings done with, and I'm going to get the wrong expert that told yeah. us that, a quantity surveyor. MBM. I don't know much about building language, sorry, but the quantity surveyor has given us detailed costings, done a lot of going back and forth on that, actually a lot of detail work spent on that. Um, and then, um, so that's still pretty much the number that we're looking at. In terms of funding sources, we've also started to do some modelling, and you saw in, in David's slide some financial modelling about how it will look. And Claire Pendlebury's not here tonight, but she's done a really detailed spreadsheet, modelling spreadsheet for us around all the different parts of the process. She's an accountant, so and I love a spreadsheet, so we're it's having a, a lovely time together. It's a beautiful it's a thing. thing of beauty. <laughs> And what it does is looks, it looks at uh, all the things that sit behind um, uh, the costs of the project, all the costs, when the costs will come in across the 12 months of a project, what the flow of cash in and out needs to be. We've started to have a look at some scenarios of, well, if we got pledged this much and this much came in up front and this much came in over three years, at what point could we start the build? It's interesting, the timing issue. When we looked at this just recently, when we start the build has quite a bit of a, an impact on the financial modelling, which if you're a financial person is perfectly obvious, but the spreadsheet showed me that really, that you know the difference between starting our project in February um, next year and starting it in September next year is quite significant in terms of cash flow. So it doesn't matter, the detail of it doesn't matter at the moment, but we have looked at all of those things. Uh, we have talked to the diocese about the opportunity for a loan um, and that they were very positive um, with that as well. So that's sort of not, not out of the question by any means and is, is quite likely in fact. So what the financial model looks at at various um uh, options of mixes of loan versus um, fundraising versus grant and how that all melds together and the timing of it. So the financial model is actually very sophisticated. Uh, as we said, a thing of beauty in a spreadsheet. Um, to try and make sense of all those nuances that we need to consider, um, consider in um, funding this. I mean, one of the things we know is that we need to factor in the GST as we go through, and there's a timing impact of that. Now, we eventually get it back, but that we actually have to have funds available to pay it when it needs to be paid um, and reclaim it back, uh, pay, pay the bill to the you know, suppliers and then reclaim it back. So we need to factor that into the model. So the model is sort of built around cash flow and the timing of things on a monthly basis right throughout the life of um, life of the project and beyond, uh, including any loan and what needs to be done to that loan to pay it off after the building's completed. So the financial model is actually <coughs> very complete and, and will help us make sense, but it will only, we'll only really know when we get through the fundraising uh, campaign about how all that um, um, meshes together. So we'll then be able to plug in all the amounts up front or the amounts coming in over a period of time and look at the cash flow and look at how that's all going to work. So um, mm -hmm. uh, We'll go to Fliss Arling in one moment, please. Um, I'll see him before. Is your, is your question still there? Okay, one moment. I, I just want to say one thing on this. If you're thinking, wow, 2.93 million is a big number, it really is. Um, the reading I've done on this says that good churches with faithful givers, that's us, 
when they run building projects or capital works campaign, can expect to fundraise between 1.8 times and three times your annual general budget. Our annual general budget is 1.1 something million here. So three million's not out of the woods. 1.8 is not out of the woods. Somewhere in between is probably what I'd expect and we'll see what God does. So what we're going to do is we are going to have a four-week preaching program in May called Seek First His Kingdom, which is a commitment series, leads into May 26, which is a commitment Sunday, where every family brings in a slip, which is in the pack that's going to be given to them in their homes, uh, and um, uh, commits uh, as a family, as an individual, uh, to this work as they feel led by God. Uh, then the parish council's job is to go away and to work out how much money there is and to line that up with... Uh, the potential works we can do, uh, and then to look at loans, and then to look at how we could shape it, and then to come back to our people as required, to say, here's what's come in, surplus, shortfall, what do we do? Thank you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Terry Rodiger. Does the work include replacement of the low pitch roof? Does the work include replacement of the low pitch roof? Um, no, I'm aware which one, Terry. We all know which one you're talking about, brother. Uh, Mick Hall, sitting up the back, hiding out of my line of sight. Uh, do you know if that's included in the five stages? It's not. Okay. We're well aware there's a piece of work that needs to be done around that. Uh, we're not sure we'd change the angle, but we may well change the shedding to clip lock. We've estimated there's 100,000 in that. We're going to need to work out what we do with that. It's in our purview. We're just not sure... What that means? I suppose the, the architects are well aware of it. Yep. Correct? Yeah. Yep. You got a leak in your roof. Yep. <laughs> we have talked about this. It's a this. technical term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just behind Cam. Yes. So this auditorium doesn't seem... Sorry, the reworked auditorium, uh, just to let you know, it's an extra 80 seats. We have 325. It'll take us up to 400. Uh, you're right. It's about... Some, I don't know, 18%, something percent. The mathematicians can work it out. Uh, it's not insignificant, but it's, um, it's not double. Um, how long until we need to grow beyond this building? That's a very good question. Um, all I know is that every two years here at Norwest, we've need to do something very significant because the growth we've received, which is runs around 95 to 10% per year, um, year on year. Um, and we can just go back over the last eight years and every two years we either planted a new service or we did a building project or we planted another service or we did another room or this, that and the other. Um, we think a room of 400 is pretty good. Um, we think that uh, our growth... We don't know if our growth will continue. It hasn't stopped in nine years, but we don't want to assume anything, but we would be foolish to think that it will just turn off. Um, 9am is significantly full, our other servers, le services less so, so there is capacity still in our other services. Um, these are all very good questions, um, but, uh, but we, we just don't know the answer. Yep. Carolyn, over to you. Have we thought about car park capacity and how that's going to be uh, impacted in all of this? As part of the master plan, the car park would need to be completely addressed um, because the auditorium we're proposing was a 600-seat auditorium and therefore council has requirements on uh, for every five seats you need one parking space. So we were looking at about a 
125. 125. It's actually a 130 um, space car park is what we'd actually propose, but I went, I don't think the mass works on that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we don't need to do that in stage one and we want to make sure as much as... For some of you, the priority may be having a really great car park, but the building committee has advised me that they'd prefer to get the community hub, the toilets, the kitchen and the entry sorted first and then we'll formalise the car park. Fliss. It depends who you ask. The question is, what is our current <laughs> car park capacity? Um, is Pete parking them or is somebody <laughs> else Well, it depends what council counts um, because we have informal and formal. We have 30 formal. We have... Uh, we can get around 120 on our site. We also have 60 across the road here. We also have another 30 across the road in a locked gate that we have a key to because council have given it to us. So parking's not really our issue. I mean, when I speak to people at Roseville and North Sydney and, um, and Broadway and I say, oh, I've only got three and a half acres for parking. <laughs> th that's not a good way to start a conversation. But, but we do need to keep thinking carefully about it. And, uh, and, and in time, we will need to, if we, if we get to doing the big building, we will absolutely need to formalise more of our informal car parking. Yep. Sue. Yep. Um, yes. Uh, short so, answer the, is so the question is just about, sorry, Carolyn, just around internal accessibility for wheelchair, uh, for people in wheelchairs. Uh, short answer is yes. Any new works are required to comply with the accessibility code. So uh, widths, uh, widths of doorways, um, uh, widths at the side of doorways so that you can wheel up to the latch side of the door, be able to open it, move back, all of those sorts of clearances are taken into consideration. Uh, yeah, over here, Rhonda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, question, DA, what does it cost? Fixed cost, will there be a blowout? Um, I'll have a go. If I fail miserably like I did with Stuart's before, then somebody <laughs> else can take over. Um, so Parish Council have already set aside a sum of money out of 2017 and 2018 budget, which we're still spending, and that sum is 135000 for all of the works that we've been doing, including all of the consultants, and getting to a position where we've lodged the DA. That's already covered in, in, in the budgeting work that the churches, um, that the parish council and wardens have set aside. So to get to DA, we are covered. It's beyond that that we then need to um, be considering the fundraising plan. So to get to DA, Sweet at the moment, yeah. Uh, Simon at the back. Oh, question please. is, uh, where, where do we stand with outstanding loans at the moment? Because there was one for the original Demountable, which is a senior staff office, uh, before my time, there's still a loan for that, plus there was a loan for the work in here as well. Um, yes, yeah, so that's part of what we've done with our financial modelling is to look at our, our, how much we owe now, how much we'll owe in six months' time, how much we'll owe in 12 months' time. Um, so, and I haven't got the numbers in front of me. I'm thinking we currently, uh, Mick might remember, about 350 at the moment, 350 or so, a bit less than that. Um, so, and we pay about uh, $70,000 a year off that loan. 
Uh, there's two loans. The first loan will be finished um, 20, late 2020 and the second one will be finished about 2025 if we continue as we are. So that was part of the discussion with the diocese was how would they, uh, how would they see us in terms of having a current loan? Would we have to pay that out at the same time as taking on a new loan and, and double the payments, for example? And, and their approach was, without, until we formally apply, we don't absolutely know, but what it looks as though it, is that we will be able to add to that loan and extend that loan out another 10 years and get the benefit of doing that with the, with the inputs of funds. And, and that will help us to uh, not only cover the difference, but depend all, it's all a bit unknown until we know what the pledging is, but that'll, it'll, it, you know, that'll help us to cover that. It'll also help us to cover some of the cash, flows is cash flow issues as we build. If we haven't got enough money up front, it will help support that as well. Uh, Jane. I'll take this one. Can you <laughs> answer the question? Uh, the question is, uh, the, the new roof out the front looks flat or flatter, um, issues with balls getting stuck on. Uh, so let me just say that uh, we're not looking to change the pitch of that roof. That roof is, we think, under five degrees. It is flat. That's why we have leakage issues, because we have a... Uh, for, uh, a um, what do you call it? The um, shape? Yeah. Profile. Terry, thank you. Uh, profile. Uh, that we have a profile that is colour bond. We need clip lock, which actually gives better run for water to get away. Um, it's going to be very expensive to start to change the angle of that. We would look at that uh, more um, cheaper to actually make it impervious to water by actually changing the, the metal sheeting on it. Uh, balls. Uh, we haven't thought about it. Um, just a word of advice, I have 52 years of experience in the soccer realm <laughs> and I can tell you if you can't keep a soccer ball below shoulder height, you'll never pay for Juventus, Manchester United or any of them. We'll tell, we'll tell our 12 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you can keep it below uh, knee height, even better. If you can juggle it 5,000 times below knee height, then you might get somewhere. There might be a discussion in there about balls out there. I'm already yeah. having that with some there, staff. So. There's actually another answer to the question. Um, <laughs> oh. the, if, you're, if, if you're referring to the new roof, um, the new roof will have gutter guard also on the gutter, because the main spot that will get caught is actually it'll sit in the gutter. So having a flat surface on the top of the gutter will help it roll. Doesn't mean it's going to be absolutely perfect. You may need to throw another ball at it to get it off. Uh, but... <laughs> yeah, as I said, no balls. Uh, all right, um, uh, yes. Um, so we're not making access Great question. How long does it take to build a building uh, or reconfigure a building? So build a building down the front, reconfigure this. Stage one, so building down the front, we're thinking around nine months. Uh, and stage uh, two, three, four of stage one, or parts two, three, four. So what about a reworking of this? Knocking out this, knocking out this, doing this, so on and so forth. Uh, so Three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> The bathrooms will probably take about two months just because of the number of trades involved and we will need to jackhammer up part of the existing slab for um, relocation of drainage. Uh, the kitchen uh, is a, a more straightforward enterprise um, because a lot of it will be manufactured off-site. So a lot of it we may actually get measured up in advance before we actually start inconveniencing you guys. Um, so I'd, I'd say probably uh, six, six to eight weeks on, on the kitchen. 
<laughs> and probably a similar period of time for demolition, because this, this is actually fairly straightforward. Demolition, new carpet, new ceiling, new lighting. Depends how long the piece of string is. Once and obviously a lot point. of that would be going concurrently. Um, we would be looking to minimise the amount of time we're out of the auditorium as best we can. Yeah. Um, just on the question was before, there, there's because this is actually something we haven't talked about, is whether these things do get run concurrently and you move out, or because the bathrooms are relatively to one side, it doesn't affect this space. You could still remain in occupation and we may just get some... Um, yeah, portaloos, basically, um, for a period of time. It just depends on Marginally what scope Marginally better than our current building. bathrooms, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the kitchen could get done while you're still using the space yeah. because you still have the kitchen at the back here. There's things like that. Yep. Just, look, it's 10 to 9. Uh, the plan was to wrap this at 9. Um, just maybe one or two more questions, then we're going to have a five-minute break for those who need to leave, uh, for those who want to use our fantastic bathrooms. Uh, and then uh, Jace is going to come, lead us in singing, then we're going to spend 20 minutes praying together. For those who can be here, totally understand if people can't. Um, just think, looking for people who haven't had a chance to ask a question who would like to. A uh, question around the future-proofing and digitalising <laughs> of something of, of the project. Uh, so a comms upgrade is part of this whole provision. So coming from the street, new Telstra lines into the hub. Um, the hub will be completely fitted out with wi wireless technology and then upgrading to as far as is appropriate for the budget, um, this building as well. Running fibre optic. We've already actually had fibre optic run up to the building. It's about connecting that. So we earmarked a big chunk for that, which now we, d we need to spend less on that, which is great. So, uh, thank you. A uh, great question for Val around the security of the site. Um, um, and have we thought about that? I'll throw to you in a second because I know um, there has been some thought around that. But let me just say, I've been here nearly nine years. I'm stunned but by how little... I mean, God's so kind, right? Uh, how little damage, vandalism, theft there has been. Like, Terry... Rodrigo and I once chased a couple of kids. Remember that, Terry, down the creek? That was fun. Um, <laughs> you know what they stole? They stole a brick. One brick. We went after them. It's great. Um, anyway, so really not much. I'll talk about that later. There's, uh, there's, um, there's, uh, there's been really very little. There's been amorous couples, a few of them, that me and Tunksy had to kick them out. Tunksy, remember that? You know, a bit of that. But real, And yet, we still need to think about it. So, Carolyn. Yeah, so the, the hub will um, have... a complete security system within it. Um, and there is the ability with the comms upgrade to, to upgrade the um, security for this building as well. We haven't actually talked in detail about security systems within this building, but that is, while we're doing other upgrade, it's pretty We've straightforward. We've talked lighting and yeah. the importance of ensuring the site is well lit. It's been really poorly lit. We've done some MacGyver stuff along the way, which is getting better and better. Um, but we obviously need to keep... We, we want the site to be bright... And so it's... And the beauty of actually building at the front of the site does increase supervision on the site and site presence, um, which will then... There, there's just then a general sense of ownership rather than the ownership of the site starting back at this building. Yeah, that's, um, that'll be detailed design. We'll have to work through what's the best thing for that. Uh, final question, I think we'll go to Chris. So has much thought been given to the sustainability uh, of the building? Again, I'll throw to our architects for this, but to let you know, we've just received a $27,000 grant for solar panels, uh, which is probably close to a 30-kilowatt system. The average house is 5.5. Uh, so it's pretty good, and that's going to go some way to, um, to, to helping us be more responsible with electricity. There's obviously much more than that. 
yes, um, the, the new building, again, will need to comply with the energy efficiency requirements of any new building um, under the code. Uh, the main thing we want to make sure is about comfort levels, is, the, is for particularly ministry staff in the building. Is it, sustainability has an outcome that you can brag about it and feel good about it. So, oh, we collected water and we, we put solar panels on and we saved some power. The reality of your everyday is that not only do we want to be able to do things, but we want to create an environment that is well insulated, well sealed, um, is comfortable. You get the best utilisation out of your ministry staff that you can possibly get because they're not falling asleep in the middle of the afternoon and they're not, um, they're not too cold, they're not too hot, they're not, they're, they have the best environment to be able to do the work that you need them to do on this site um, and for God's kingdom. Um, but yes, we are. the solar panels will be actually going onto this building, not onto the new build, because the grant needs to be expended within a period of time. Um, we aren't looking at rain, rainwater collection at this point, just purely because we don't think we'll probably get the value out of it, but it is something we can consider if we'd like to go back and have another look at that. Um, the only uh, counteract, counteract door to the other good things we're doing um, is probably the air conditioning we're putting in, but hopefully that will be offset by the solar panels. So, yeah. Uh, but really, in February. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Friends, it is five to nine. Uh, I'm very thankful for you all coming out. This is a lot of our church represented here, more than 160 of us here tonight. Um, so God bless you. Uh, thank you for your encouragement, your support, and your hard work alongside of us with this. Um, in four minutes... We're going to sing, and uh, then we're going to spend some time praying. Uh, as I said on Sunday a couple of weeks ago, as Craig said last Sunday, uh, some of you will need to go, no problem at all. To thank you for coming. Uh, but if you're able to stay around and pray, uh, then we'd love to do that as well. Uh, God bless you all. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank you so much for coming.